Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michael Show. We are on the air. Hour number two. Welcome in everybody over on the, uh, the network side. Over the air. We are on YouTube. We are uh, also on Facebook Live. We are on Twitch. We are on Twitter. We are on the app. We are uh, on uh, all the podcasts. I mean, we're everywhere. We're like the wind or a bad fart. One of the two, depending on how you look at your life. Uh, joining us now, not to uh, bring him in after the bad fart comment, but uh, our buddy Mark Schofield from SB Nation joining us. At Mark Schofield, you can find him. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bill. Always great to be with you. And, you know, any way you want to introduce me, bad farts, yes, no, that doesn't matter. I'm always happy to be here. <laughs> Uh, well, I would never do that to you because you're you're so much far uh, above that. So uh, I do want to start out by talking about this game in London. Teams that travel to London, is there a, a – a, do you notice any trend for teams that win versus teams that lose? I mean, I, I think it's, you know, it's a hard bounce back to travel that distance, lose a game, and then, you know, you have to come back and, you know, regroup after that. And so – you know, I think especially with the way that game finished with a double doink at the end, it might be hard for New Orleans to sort of make a bounce back after that. They've obviously got some issues that they have to sort out. Uh, but I think generally speaking, look, it's nice to see the growth of the game globally, but that's a tough, tough, you know, schedule. That's tough. And now obviously Green Bay faces it this week with, you know, the trip overseas to play at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against the New York Giants. And so, you know, I, I like to see the growth of the game overseas, but it is a tough schedule for teams, particularly if you go over there, you lose, and now you've got to come back and sort of regroup in the aftermath. The uh, the, the Packers leaving tomorrow after a practice today, uh, you know, they want to take it in. They want to get themselves acclimated and such. But really, we were just discussing, this kind of comes down to the ability to stop Barkley uh, the Packers' run defense has not been good by any stretch of the imagination when you look at the numbers and the rankings. Uh, but then again, uh, the, the Giants aren't good at really running the football. They're 21st in the National Football League. The Packers do run the ball extremely well. So talk to me about a little bit about this game and what you see as far as philosophically going into it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think run game, run defense is going to be a big part of the story, particularly with the Giants' quarterback situation. Tyrod Taylor dealing with a head injury. Daniel Jones was knocked out of that game with an ankle injury. They've signed some quarterbacks in the practice squad. And so I think that coupled with the success that Saquon Barkley has had this year, overall the run game numbers are what they are. You just walked us through it. Barkley has been effective this year, but I think with questions about the passing game in New York, the run game is going to be big for them. And so then stopping the run is obviously going to be critical. Barkley has been extremely effective this year. He seems to be completely healthy again, inside zone, outside zone, wide zone, variety of different run schemes. You're seeing vision, you're seeing power and burst again. So he is that kind of dynamic weapon right now that people thought he was going to be coming out of Penn State. And you saw on, on Sunday when, you know, everybody knew when they were down to their third string quarterback, a rookie, that the Patriots were going to really lean into the run game. They were still able to run the ball. And so that little tension there between the Giants run game and what the Packers can do stopping the run is going to be a big part of this. But, you know, then I think you look at provided Green Bay can put some points on the border, board early, sort of change the game script into their favor, this game will certainly tilt their way. If you could force the Giants to be a one-dimensional passing team because you've gotten out to a lead and force whether it's Davis Webb or a hobble Daniel Jones or whoever's taking the snaps to have to win the ball with their arm, I think that would be a huge, you know, step towards a victory. 
So some of the other games coming up that I wanted to get into as much as uh, we want to analyze the Packers, you got a couple of good ones coming up on the docket this weekend. Obviously, it starts in the AFC North, Cincinnati on the road, taking on the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens secondary, not good. Joe Burrow is, and they're starting to feel it. In the meantime, Lamar Jackson is having a hell of a season. They just don't have a defense that can give him consistent support. Talk a little bit about that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're going to see in that game is a tension that we've seen at times when these two teams have met over the past couple of years, sort of that, you know, when they lead into their pressure schemes and they lead into the sort of the, the blitz stuff that the Ravens have done at times to generate pressure, how well will Burrow and that offensive line hold up? I think that's one of the first things to look at. You know, Burrow has had success against in years past when Baltimore has gone through those pressure schemes and getting the ball out quickly, making some checks at the line of scrimmage and finding ways to beat that. So that's one thing certainly to look at. Another thing to look at is how do you stop? How do you slow? How do you minimize what Lamar Jackson can do? Because he has been so dynamic this year, throwing, running, the variety of ways he can beat you as a quarterback. You know, what is Cincinnati going to do to counter that? Do they dedicate, you know, a spy to him? On every down, on certain downs, do they play a lot more zone coverage? You know, how are they going to defend Lamar Jackson? That's one of the tougher riddles that defensive coordinators have to solve right now in the NFL. So that's certainly something to look at. And I think there's a a, a philosophical thing with the Ravens in the aftermath of that game against Buffalo. We saw the fourth down decision, the decision to forego the field goal, the short field goal, and try to put the ball in the end zone to – you know, make Josh Allen have to go down the field and score a touchdown to beat you. That touched off on the sideline. Marcus Peters, you saw him be frustrated. There's been a lot of discussion about that decision. How do the Ravens approach similar decisions, Just not just this week, but going forward? Will you see them decide to take the points in situations like that? Will you see them remain as aggressive in fourth-down situations and put the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands, which – Generally speaking, with the way Jackson has been playing, it's a pretty good proposition when you do that. But that's a curious part to this Ravens season that I'm going to be watching, not just this week, but this week and beyond. The uh, the news comes out that there is this uh, situation, obviously, in the personal life of Tom Brady, the possibility of divorce. Now his season is sitting at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, They're not happy with the way things have gone. They've got what seems to be a easier team coming into Tampa Bay and the Falcons, but... Things are not going well down in Tampa, and for what they thought they would be to where they are, what does this team need to get back? Is it just as simple as getting your Evans back and getting getting Godwin back and getting everybody back on the field, or what is it? Yeah, I I think that's certainly part of it, Bill. I mean, you look at the injuries that they've had already. You know, that's been part of it. They can't find that consistent rhythm in the passing game. I also think is, you know, we need to sort of revisit Earlier in the season, earlier in training camp, when Ryan Jensen went down, they've had some injuries in the interior of that offensive line. And, you know, interior pressure is always tough for a quarterback to deal with, regardless of who it is, but particularly with Tom Brady, who, again, wants to be that timing and rhythm thriller. And part of the reason I think you're missing that timing and rhythm in the passing game, in addition to the injuries, is that now interior pressure that you're seeing. But you know, they've just played two tough teams in Green Bay and Kansas City. Now they're entering a, a stretch of their schedule, which I think is a bit more favorable. They get Atlanta, Pittsburgh with a new rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett making his, that will be his second start. Um, and then you get Carolina after that, three easier, winnable games. Um, so I think you're going to see a bit of a rebound. But the rhythm is missing from the passing game. And now you add in this extra layer of where, where Tom Brady seems to be going through in his personal life. 
there's a lot of, like Tom Brady said, you know, when he came back from his mid-trading camp sort of hiatus, there's a lot of stuff going on in his life right now that he's trying to navigate as he, let's not forget, tries to play quarterback at the age of 45. The uh, the West is not great by any the AFC West. We thought the AFC West was going to be so much better. You, you finally get a win for the uh, for the Raiders who are going to be playing Kansas City this week. Kansas City, by the way, looks to be back on track. And all of a sudden, MVS Marquez Valdez Scantley looks like a, a real receiver working with Patrick Mahomes from what we saw here in Green Bay. But that being said, it, the West was supposed to be this juggernaut. Uh, Denver is not great by any stretch of the imagination. The Raiders certainly aren't. It just and, and the Chargers have been banged up and i don't know how good the charges are going to be once they're back fully healthy but give me your assessment of the west so far yeah it's been a, a huge letdown i mean i remember coming on with you this summer and basically saying yeah whoever wins the west is, is going to be ready to make a deep run because they'll have been through a gauntlet of four very good teams and the raiders have underwhelmed you know they, they've struggled on both sides of the ball you know they finally get that win so you that's great to see from them but hard to really buy into what they're doing. The Chargers, like you said, are so banged up right now. You look at Denver, and that offense hasn't performed the way we thought it would going into this season. You know, Do we really consider them to be one of the better teams in the AFC? Probably not. They still have things to figure out. Kansas City does look great. Uh, I think the offense remains explosive, and I do think a lot of it, obviously Patrick Mahomes certainly helps. You mentioned MBS, some of the other new faces in the passing game, but that offensive line has played extremely well. What really interests me is of their seven runs of, I think, 20 yards or more this year, they've all come against single high coverage. And we talk so much about how defenses are playing with those two deep safeties. They want you to run the ball on the second. You drop that one of those two safeties down. That's when teams want to throw. Kansas City has had success running against single high coverage with those seven explosive runs against single high coverage because their offensive line has performed extremely well. And so as a whole, the division is underwhelming to be sure. And I have questions about three of the teams. I don't have too many questions about Kansas City. I think the questions we had about would they stay as, as explosive an offense as we've seen, they've answered that. And they've answered that in the affirmative so far through four weeks. The uh, the quarterbacks that have played well, haven't played well, uh, Bailey Zappi played well for coming in and being a guy nobody had ever heard of for uh, the New England Patriots, but other quarterbacks in the league, who's kind of starting to catch your eye, so to speak, who's starting to play well that maybe we had either written. I mean, I know Jimmy Garoppolo for coming in in the circumstances that he did this offseason. I think he's played pretty well, but give me some of the other quarterbacks that are catching your eye as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to give Zappi credit for coming into that situation. You know, a, a third-string quarterback, a rookie in his first NFL action, and, you know, suddenly he's thrust into that environment, that situation. So I think, you know, he does deserve, deserve some credit. But as far as other quarterbacks that have kind of played really well, Jalen Hurts does stand out. You know, obviously, the Eagles, they're 4-0, the only team that's undefeated left in, this, in the NFL. I think Hurts is a big part of that. You look at what he's done so far, you know, what he can do with his legs, what he's done with his arm, what he's done from the pocket. I think he deserves a lot of credit. And then there, look, there's a group of three quarterbacks that, you know, if you had told me that they would be among some of the better performing, better producing quarterbacks through four weeks, if you had told me these three guys would be up in that group, I would have thought something crazy had happened in the NFL, but maybe something crazy has happened because Jared Goff, Cooper Rush, Geno Smith, all three of those guys are playing really well right now. And I know, you know, with the Lions, the record, one and three, it's not where Detroit fans would like it to be, but had a huge game this past week and a loss to Geno Smith and Seattle. Cooper Rush now, 
He's won the games that he started. I think he's 4-0 and as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I know QB wins, no, not really a statistic, but he's played well. And Geno Smith, efficiency numbers, the decisions he's made, you know, the way he performs week in and week out, he's been really impressive. And so those three guys, probably a bit of a surprise to see them, the way they've performed so far, but all three of them have played well. Got to ask you before I cut you loose, um, there's a lot of talk about Odell Beckham Jr. coming back from the ACL tear and a landing spot for him. Would it make sense, in your opinion, for the Packers to go after him? You know, I, I think Odell is still a talented enough receiver that he would help almost any passing game. I think when you look at Green Bay specifically, you know, watch him though on Sunday, obviously Romeo Dobbs is, looks to be the part, looks get it on that same page with Aaron Rodgers. They found a way to get Watson involved. Lazard and Cobb certainly are important pieces for them, but added in that extra layer, that guy that like we saw last year with the Rams, that could be that backside dig option with so much cover two, two deep safety stuff, whether it's two, four quarters, quarter, quarter, half, however teams are running it. You want your concept to the front side, that backside dig in front of those safeties. That's how Sean McVay used him after they acquired him last year. It was a critical part of their run to the Super Bowl. And so I think certainly adding Odell Beckham would make sense for almost any NFL team. And I think he'd make sense in Green Bay as well. Great stuff as always, Mark. We certainly appreciate it. We'll talk again next week, okay? Sounds great, Bill. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Appreciate it, pal. There you go. Mark Schofield, SB Nation. You can read his stuff there at Mark Schofield, S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D, at Mark Schofield. Great to get him on the program, as always. Always good to kind of pick apart uh, the NFL and look at it as a whole and uh, pick up some of his thoughts in regards to some of the other stories that are going on right now. Certainly appreciate his time. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Skipper Buds. It's where I took my boat. It's where I'm getting it winterized. It's getting wrapped, and then it's going to get stored, and they have it all going on right now. But the one thing I will tell you, if you're thinking about getting a, getting a floating vehicle for next year, they've got a lot of either trades or new boats that have come in. They have an inventory. So if you're looking for some year-end deals, man, now is the time to go. That's our friends over there at Skipper Buds. Call my buddy Todd, who's the general manager over there. Call Todd, 262-544-1200, 262-544-1200. Get a hold of him. Say, I'm looking to make a deal. What you got? Or call Kathy or Ryan back in service and get your boat scheduled. Or just drop it off and go see Kathy back in the service department. Say, hey, I want to get it winterized, want to get it wrapped, want to get it stored. Good to go. Sign your paperwork. Gone. There you go. And that way you don't even have to worry about it anymore. Good stuff from our friends over there at Skipper Bud. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you. Been a while since we've had a chance to talk to this guy. He is, uh, he's had huge success here in the state of Wisconsin with the uh, UW Whitewater program, then went on and had success in Buffalo. Now, the 19th ranked Kansas Jayhawks hosting ESPN's College Game Day and the 17th ranked TCU, uh, TCU team coming into town. Big one. And uh, Lance Leipold now joining us on the uh, on the hotline lance how you doing pal i'm doing well bill good to hear your voice how you doing today you too uh you are doing wonderfully so uh, i i gotta ask you um 
about the progress of the football program this season. Let's start there first and foremost to get to from where you were to where you are right now. Well, you know, I think a lot of it started in the last three games of the last season. We were, we were able to pull an upset win at Texas in overtime, played extremely well. You know, we go down there, we're one and eight. Um, you know, it's pretty well documented the, the struggles of this program over the last 10 plus years and trying to build confidence and, and things were, were kind of tough. That one kind of gave us a little boost, but it was really the next two weeks. We went back down to Texas, played TCU, lost close game by a field goal and then had lost by six to West Virginia at home. And, but at that time, I think the players after not having a spring, uh, spring football with them upon getting the job in May and things, they started to see, we were improving, understanding the scheme and system and expectations. And it kind of propelled itself into the off season. We were able to add some players through the portal and, and other means. And, uh, you know, and and really the spark that Jalen Daniels gave us at quarterback it helped us a lot. And I knew we had improved, but I, I just didn't have any real idea until we, we got the thing kicked off in September. When you go about building a program and, and taking it over, you had success at Whitewater. Different D3 versus college uh, Division One. I. I mean, I, just the overwhelming task of wrapping your arms around the program, Lance, how, how was that for you to transition from Whitewater to Buffalo and now to Kansas? Well, I, I think that there's a lot more to it, as you're alluding to. There's just so many more layers to a program at, at, at the FBS level. And, and then you add the Power 5 level of even an administration and other things. There's That's probably been the biggest adjustment East each time for myself as a head coach you know the day-to-day stuff i i think you know within the the realm of the coaching staff especially you know because brian borland's been with me the whole time andy cold mickey's been with me now for 10 years um so we're we're in a really good spot when it comes to the football aspect and that's what we try to stay true to as much as we can with the players in the building process is you know, these are the expectations. It doesn't matter what the scoreboard says. It doesn't matter what the standings say. This is what's expected of you each and every day when you walk in the building, and you're going to work better, hopefully, to improve yourself in some capacity when you arrive and throughout. And that might be in academics. It might be in something else. But those expectations never change. And I think that's one thing that helped us a year ago is that the consistency in which we, we were able to go about it with a with a group of young men that had gone through a lot of changes, Bill. Uh, you know, I was a third head coach for many of the guys. We've had pos- guys that have had eight position coaches, and uh, you know that's hard to, you know, trust and buy in and do those things. So those are some of the more internal obstacles we had to overcome. The uh, it, it's got to be electric for the attention you guys are getting. You guys are doing. If correct me if I'm wrong, it's fill the hill this weekend, right? With college game day yeah. coming and every, all the students and stuff. You can't wait for that, right? Yeah, it must be fill the hill. I heard something about it, and then we walked from our our, our football building to to the uh, to our practice fields, and it, it's a short walk, but it, it's you know the hill is right there to the right of it as we walk out to the fields, and there. They're trimming tree branches and moving tents and doing other things. So I guess it's going to be there. And, you know, we're one of the, I don't, I'm not even sure of, you know, of power five teams that had never had college game day. And, uh, and, and for this to happen for our program and our university, 
obviously our basketball program has been outstanding and been able to have those type of things. But to, to have it happen in a fall is uh, is really neat, and I'm really happy for our program and uh, and really our, our whole community. Let's go back to when you were at UW-Whitewater. I mean, obviously you had a ton of success there. You turned it over to Coach Bullis, who's done a terrific job with it as well. But when when you're there and you're dealing with kids that aren't scholarship, and it, like you said, it's a lot different, what is the – coaching is coaching, though, right? It's strictly fundamentals. It's execution. It's scheme. It's preparation. Coaching mm-hmm. is coaching, right? I, I believe so. I kind of said that on my arrival to Buffalo, football's football, and I don't know, it kind of got a little more legs than I anticipated that to be because when you don't win, they kind of bring it back up. But uh, I, I think the one thing that I, looking back, and even from my time playing at Whitewater, playing for Forrest Perkins and Bob Brezowitz, you know, the the thing that I think that really keeps it uh pure, I guess, maybe at the Division three level, especially in, in the WIAC, because you're truly paying your way and, and, and doing it for the love of the game. And I think one thing we tried to do, and I'm sure Kevin still does it, is, you know, the whole thing is really optional. Nobody's making you do it. It's not the way to make your, your you know, help help your family get it, you know, that you're going to alleviate a debt of, of for a college education. So the passion and the reason to do it each and every day um, has to be internal. And then hopefully then the success of the team and, and being part of a team, it's his own type of fraternity and those things are the other factors that you love being a part of it. But when you go into the coaching part, and this is one thing you learn, and I, I know the state of Wisconsin has a lot of these the type of people that are outstanding football coaches. Some some are teachers within the school system. Some are work in the community. And But like you say, when it's out there helping young men get better at the game, um, I'll still look at some of the guys that, that I worked with at Whitewater, and, and they would be able to do an excellent job here for us at Kansas. I uh, Well, let me ask you this. How many people in the state of Wisconsin, friends and such, uh, that remember you from Whitewater have reached out to you to say either one, congratulations, or two, hey, we're Kansas Jayhawks fans now? Because I, 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 I was telling a buddy of mine, I said, you know, when I, when I got a hold of you, when you and I started texting, I said, you know, hey, I got a hold of Coach Lance. And he said, oh, does that mean you're going to start wearing Kansas gear now? Because I wore that Buffalo pullover for forever. I love that thing. So I said, you bet, man. I got some Kansas gear coming. Yeah, that's right. We'll have to work on it. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and I think that's one thing I feel extremely blessed about growing up in a small town, Jefferson and going to school, Whitewater and, and, and whatnot. It's my, my friends have always been my friends and, and, and acquaintances through the time of coaching at Whitewater or whatever. Yeah. It, it's, it's cool to see some of the, whether it be people like yourself in the media, just even uh, reaching back out or, or college friends or, or really lifelong friends. And, and many of them have made it out to games and to come to support. And, um, you know, I try to get back to everybody the best I can. And hopefully if I've missed anyone, I apologize back there, but uh, because you never want to forget where you come from and, and, and the people that supported you even, even through the toughest of times. And, and there were plenty of those as well. I know. I, I just listened to an interview uh, a while ago that Luke Fickle did uh, when he was approached by Michigan State not to leave Cincinnati and said, I just love it here. Sometimes it just feels good. Do you feel good in Kansas, Coach? Do you just feel like, ah, things are just really good and I'm just enjoying myself right now? 
Absolutely. We love it here. Um, we've always heard great things about Lawrence, Kansas. Um, while we lived in Nebraska, my wife's from Nebraska. Um, you know, we've, we've made enough moves in life and our son is a sophomore in high school and we're extremely happy with, with the community and, and, and everything from weather to whatnot. So it, it's been really neat in, in the short, what, 16 months we've been here. So, but it's, you know, and so we feel very blessed along the way. Coach, whether it's Kansas and hopefully it's wherever you're happiest for the longest period of time, but we're always going to be fans of yours, fans of the program. Best of luck to you against TCU this coming weekend. I look forward to watching it on game day, and we'll talk again real soon, okay? Sounds good, Bill. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and your listeners, and uh, let's do it again real soon. Absolutely. Great stuff. Lance, appreciate it, pal. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. There you go. Thanks. Lance Leipold. Thanks. Head coach, sorry about that. I cut him off. Lance Leipold, head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. Great to get him on the uh, on the air and uh, talk a little bit about what it takes to build the program, leaving the roots. In, like he said, you know, growing up in Jefferson, being a quarterback at Whitewater, being the head coach of Whitewater, moving on to Buffalo, then taking that program. And he ended up with a winning record at Buffalo, uh, if I'm not mistaken, as well. I think he won over I, – I, it wasn't like he was vastly uh, – um, over 500, I think the first couple of years, as a matter of fact, were really, really rough. But then he ended up going to more than a few bowl games. He got that Mac East division title, a couple of them, as a matter of fact. And then uh, some bowl bids I know Buffalo had, got a lot of recognition, moved on to Kansas. And uh, now he's got the Kansas program in a short period of time, undefeated with a big matchup coming up against TCU this weekend. They've got Iowa State, another uh, rough matchup that's going to be on the docket uh, relatively soon. As a matter of fact, the seventh state, uh, or not Iowa State, um, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State, uh, coming up here, I think the beginning of November. Uh, they still got uh, Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, all yet to go, Oklahoma yet to go, but he's got that program humming. So, you know, it's 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 great to root for a guy from the area that can, uh, that can have some success and still answers his phone. Like he said, that's that's fantastic. Good stuff from Lance Leipold, and we certainly appreciate his time on the program here, without a doubt. Um, yeah, they beat Iowa State last week. Thank you very much, Ben. Yeah, they beat Iowa State last week. It was uh, Oklahoma State, the Cowboys that they have coming up. That's a big game, too. This, you Go ahead, Ben. I also am just going to note that 5-0 and record, it's not a fraudulent 5-0. and They are winning no. big-time road games. They're beating big-time programs. Their quarterback, Jalon Daniels, is electric. Uh, and the Big 12's wide open. Like, like that's not mm-hmm. just a you coast through poor games kind of five and zero. Oh. They're legit. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they you know he goes back to that overtime game against Texas. That was. Do you remember that game? That was a yeah. a, a sh- that was like an ESPN highlight reel. Oh God, the, was it? Was that like fifty five, fifty four, or something like that? Crazy. It was a crazy game. Yeah, they won it on a two point conversion in overtime. And the fullback that caught the two-point conversion got a commercial, an NIL deal with Applebee's. And that became a national <laughs> story. It was great. That's awesome. As an Applebee's guy, I was all over it. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. It was 50, uh, 57-56 last year, November 13th. Uh, uh, that was the 57-56. It was a shootout. I remember watching highlights on ESPN, and I texted Lance right after that. And I said, I can't even breathe. you got you got to be just sweating after that. And he just sent back an LOL and a thumbs up. But uh, man, what a what a what a what a start to his career! And hopefully, he can continue that 
taking the uh, taking the piece of Wisconsin with him down to Kansas. Yeah, so good stuff there. Uh, 877-867-1670. This portion of the program uh, brought to you by our friends Paul Roberts and the gang at Roberts Specialty Meats. I know. Saturday night and Sunday doing some grilling. Saturday night, got some friends coming over, going to do a couple of steaks on the grill. But Sunday morning, I'm getting up. I already planned my day because I'm not staying out late Saturday night because of the game in London on Sunday. Already planning the day, getting up early. I'm putting together an Al Capone roast and a rub and everything on Sunday morning early, like at 6. That way that thing should be about ready come halftime. So good stuff. I'm going to be heading down to Robert's Specialty Meats uh, probably when I get back on Saturday mid-afternoon. And say hi to Paul Robertson again. You too, if you're going to be doing some tailgating, whether it's heading out to a Badger game, uh, what's left of the Brewers season, and or uh, heading down to or heading up to a, a Packers game, still some tailgating yet to go. Hit our friends up at Roberts Specialty Meats Waukesha. Go to Roberts Specialty Meats Waukesha.com. That is Roberts Specialty Meats Waukesha.com. Stay tuned. Got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.